All right, guys, we are in the book of Ecclesiastes. I guess that's not really a surprise. Uh, We've been there for a while. We're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and we're going to look at the first 14 verses this morning. Eight times I counted in the New International Version the word better. And so I want to look at seven wise ways to a better life from this section of Scripture. So I'm going to ask you, if you've found that, to stand in God's honor, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, and I want to read aloud those 14 verses. And let's read unto the Lord. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. It is better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a wise man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. The end of the matter is better than its beginning, and patience is better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the lap of fools. Do not say, why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. Wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing, and benefits those who see the sun. Wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter, but the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he has made crooked? When times are good, be happy, but when times are bad, consider God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. Let's pray. Master, here we are again, Lord. We worship you, God. Thank you for the the excitement, Father, of baptism, of being reminded that you're in the business of changing lives, Lord, that you're in the hope business, God. And we live in a world that's riddled with despair, and it's so good to have hope. And I pray this morning, God, as we look at just some sound wisdom from your word, Lord, Father, that you take over and speak to our hearts. We're thirsty, we're hungry, we're in need of a word from you. You might speak, God. Um, It doesn't really mean much if I'm heard, but if you're heard, name we pray, amen. First, be a person of better character, guys, in the first verse. It says, a good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. Uh, It was typical in ancient days on a joyous occasion to bring out the best perfume as an act of of worship, as an act of celebration. And even the the ordinary stuff was used for grime and and sweat. Perfume had value. And remember in the scriptures where Judas was upset because Mary came and broke a container of expensive perfume and poured it on the feet of Jesus and dried 
his feet with her hair. Um, costly perfume. And, and the lesson here is that just like a, in modern terms, it'd be like just like a brand name has a good reputation because it's proven to be a good product. So we need to have character. Our reputation needs to count because of a consistent walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the lesson here. Um, just like a restaurant, you know, a, man, a restaurant on the outside, it can smell really good, but you don't know. There could be food poisoning lurking inside in some of the food. You can't always tell just at first glance, but after you've been there a while, you know. I remember there was a restaurant in my hometown, had some of the best Chinese food I ever ate in my life, and we went a couple of times. You could hardly get in the door, guys. It was crowded. But I went back a couple of months later. No one was there, and I knew why once I ordered. New management, and the food went way downhill. It doesn't take long. It's, you know, when you see the good stuff, you know it. And the lesson here is God says, I want your life to be one of character. I want it to count. I heard about a judge um, in the West who uh, had a way of dealing with DUIs. You had two choices. You could either go to um, school for alcoholism, a school that they had, or you could uh, have a tag put on the back of your car that said, I'm a convicted drunk driver. And almost always what was chosen was the, the classes, not the tag. People responded to that. All right, secondly here, this is kind of strange here, but in verse 2, take a tour of a mortuary. <laughs> it is better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For in ancient times, uh, they went to a home and, and mourned. They went to a mortuary rather than a party. And the thing here is, uh, guys, there's wisdom in being reminded about eternity. We're all headed toward death. It's the bully on the block that we can't escape, and our lives need to be in order. Because none of us know the exact moment that we'll be called over to eternity. There was a commercial by an insurance company that was on a number of years ago that caught my attention. First scene, it showed a husband and wife, and they're sitting in chairs, and they're talking in this room. They're by a fireplace, and there's a Christmas tree in the room, so it's obviously Christmas. And she asked her husband, she said, Honey, did you get the life insurance taken care of? And he said, No, honey, I'll do it after Christmas. And then the next scene, their flowers were blooming out the window, and you could tell it was spring. And she said, honey, have you taken care of the life insurance yet? And he said, no, honey, I'll do it after we pay taxes. I'll do it. And then there was another scene. This time it was summer, you could tell. And she asked her husband again. She said, honey, have you taken care of the life insurance yet? And he said, no, I'll, we'll do it after vacation. And then the final scene. It shows two chairs but it only shows the wife. His chair is empty. Obviously, he has died. And a voice enters in and says, uh, you may run out of excuses. You may not run out of excuses, but you will run out of time. We may not run out of excuses, guys, but we will run out of time. It is appointed for man to die once and then to face the judgment. We can't get away from that, and we need to live in such a way to realize that eternity is before us. Third, make time for sadness. Look at verse 3. Sorrow better is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Um, 
bad times, although we don't volunteer for them, although that's not what we personally choose, there's value. Because when the tough time co- times come, it causes us to place the roots down deep in Jesus, to find comfort and to find strength. There's an old Arab proverb that says, All sunshine makes a desert. It's good to get a little rain to bring growth. All right. Uh, number four, welcome constructive criticism. Key to a better life, verses 5 through 7. Better to heed a wise man's rebuke than to listen to the song of fools. Like the crackling of thorns under the pot, so is the laughter of fools. This too is meaningless. Extortion turns a man into a fool, and a bribe corrupts the heart. Nobody in their right mind enjoys rebuke. Have you ever seen anybody with an under... Thank you so much for rebuking me, for catching me on my stupidity. Are you kidding me? None of us are like that. Most of us become masters of rolling the eyes, you know. That look. We get mad sometimes at the, the younger ones who do that, but the truth is we've all been guilty of the eye-rolling saga. <laughs> Correction's tough. I, one of my verses that catch my attention, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 12, 1, the NIV. It says, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Man, what a clear-cut verse. There is value, guys, to be corrected when we're wrong. Because when we're wrong and we don't go God's direction, there's only pain at the end of it. So there's wisdom in rebuke and accepting and responding to rebuke. Matter of fact, there's a story about John Wesley. Uh, that he had went into a church, and in those days they had the big old bow tie and had the long streaming part of the tie that came underneath. And this one critical lady in the congregation, she didn't hear a word Wesley said because all she could do was look at that tie. And she was sitting there, and she was talking the whole time. He was preaching, that is the most offensive tie. I can't believe anybody would let that man go out in the public wearing that tie. That is an annoying tie. Well, after the service, she actually walked to the front, and she said, Mr. Wesley, she said, your tie has offended me today. And he said, I'm, I'm sorry, ma'am. He said, if you can come up with some scissors... I'll allow you to cut it off until it's not offensive to you. And she goes, okay. So she went, she came back soon, she had a pair of scissors, and she began snipping away on his tie. And so finally she stopped, and he said, "Um, is this satisfactory? Are you no longer offended? She goes, yeah, yeah, it looks a lot better. He goes, "Uh, ma'am, now can I be honest with you? And she said, sure. And he said... uh, Your tongue's offensive to me. Do you mind sticking it out? It's too long, and I want to cut some off. I think he got his point across. Rebuke and receiving rebuke um, certainly has value. Fifth, learn patience. Verse 8, the end of the matter is better than its beginning. Patience better than pride. Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit, for anger resides in the laps of fools. Um, but the heart of fools is the house of pleasure. Sorrow can help at times because it forces us to evaluate on a different level. And uh, I lost my place, guys. Sorry. Listen, I hope somebody heard me. I hope someone's listening. Fifth, learn patience. That's where I meant to be. Um, verse 10, Do not say, Why were the old days better than these? For it is not wise to ask such questions. 
How many projects and relationships have been destroyed by a lack of patience? We want our way, and we want it yesterday. We don't want to wait. Um, matter of fact, verse 10 in another translation I've been memorizing says, Don't long for the good old days, for you don't know if they are any better than today. I used to love uh, the Peanuts comic strip. Anybody else here used to like Peanuts? Charles Schultz was a real master. There's uh, one particular comic strip that shows Snoopy, and he's reminiscing. He says, Oh, I remember the old days at Daisy Hill Puppy Farm. He said, We'd sit around, somebody, another dog would play the banjo, and we'd all sing. And he said, Well, wait a minute. He said, That's not right. Nobody could play the banjo. And um, all we did was howl. Someone has said the good old days are really just a product of a bad memory and a good imagination. And you know what, guys? Um, we need to celebrate the past. It's not that I don't want to remember the past. We need to celebrate the past, but God doesn't want us to stay there. God has done great things, and we need to remember the great things He has done. But we should not live only in the past. We need to live now in His blessings. And the truth of the matter is, each of us need to do an inspection. And, And you just need to ask the question, and so do I, what is God doing in your life now? If I stopped right now and pointed to any of you and said, give me a testimony, what is God doing in your life? Would you have a heart attack and die and go meet Jesus right now? Or would you have something to say? And see, that's my heart's desire, guys, is that each of us would be able to say, God's at work. He's at work in me now. And that the best days are ahead. What He wants to do is ahead. It's not merely behind us, but there's a lot to look forward to. And and that's the longing, that's the desire, guys. Um, Sixth, make wisdom your defense. Starting in verse 11, wisdom like an inheritance is a good thing and benefits... Those who see the sun, wisdom is a shelter as money is a shelter. But the advantage of knowledge is this, that wisdom preserves the life of its possessor. Twenty-eight times in this book, the word wisdom is used. In the book of Proverbs, 125 times the word wisdom is used. Wisdom has nothing to do with your intelligence, how you do on some test that measures your IQ, or how many degrees that you hold from studies, wisdom is putting to practice God's truth. Do you live in agreement with God and what He has to say in His Word? Are you in His will? That's the wisdom that He longs for us to have. Turn me to James chapter 4. Sometimes we forget, guys, that we are not promised tomorrow And we need to live now for Him in the moment. Uh, Starting at verse 13 of James chapter 4, we read, Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money, while you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will... We will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. 
Guys, the way to navigate life is by learning His Word, walking in His Spirit, being in tune with a living God, and being connected vitally to His people. That's, that's the way to face this crazy thing we know is life. And, and God calls us. Psalmist says here, that's the way to live in wisdom, connected to God, connected to His people, serving Him, having an humble heart before Him. That's, that's his desire, and, and that's the longing, and, and to live in wisdom. And one last one, guys, and I'm, I'm done this message. Trust God to balance your life. Verses 13 and 14. Consider what God has done. Who can straighten what he's made crooked? When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, a man cannot discover anything about his future. We need to walk with him each moment because we don't know what lies ahead. And you know, it seems like the older I get too, the more sensitive I am to the pain people around me are facing. I have gotten guys I I, I talked to a friend of mine yesterday, uh, the last couple of years he's won well he wouldn't brag on this, but he flies a little plane. He comes from where we move from and the, Last couple of years, he's won an award from Angel Flight for taking the most cancer patients. Uh, they're not able to get to certain hospitals, so he flies in the nearest airport, picks them up, and flies in different places. As a matter of fact, he called me this week because uh, there's a, somebody right down the street here, a teenager, he's got terminal cancer, and then he flew this person uh, to a hospital and back. And uh, the importance of of living life and, and talking. You know, Jim and I were talking about, you just don't know what's going to happen. And I told him, I said, you know, Jim, I was just thinking Wednesday night as we were in church, uh, after, after Dwayne taught and we spent some time praying, I thought, you know, there's one word I will never hear in heaven, and that's cancer. And I thought, praise God, I hate that word because I have seen so many people I love suffer. And it's just heartbreaking, guys. And the truth of the matter is, for all I know, tomorrow I might get the report that I have cancer, I have some illness. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I do know that my Savior is there. And I know He loves me, and I know I can trust Him through the good and through the bad. He doesn't desert me. He says, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. And although I may not understand the stuff that I face... I can trust Him. The psalmist said, Praise be to the Lord, to God our Savior, who daily bears our burdens. That's the kind of God we have. I want to close with this uh, poem that talks about Him working in our life, regardless of what we face. When God wants to drill a man, and thrill a man, and skill a man, when God wants to mold a man to play the noblest part, when he yearns with all his heart to create so great and bold a man that all the world shall be amazed. Watch his methods, watch his ways, how he ruthlessly perfects whom he royally elects, how he hammers him and hurts him, and with mighty blows converts him into trial shapes of clay which only God understands. While his tortured heart is crying and he lifts beseeching hands, how he bends but never breaks, when his good he undertakes, how he uses whom he chooses, 
and which every purpose fuses him, by every act induces him to try his splendor out. God knows what he's about. Guys, we've uh, come here to a time we call invitation or response. I don't know how God's speaking to your heart. I don't, you know, the Bible says each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. That's Proverbs 14.10. But God knows. And maybe you need to come to this altar. Maybe you need to pray. Maybe there's something God's placed on your heart and you need to come and get on your knees before Him and to lift it to Him. Maybe you need to come publicly and you need to say something to the body of Christ that there's a commitment you need to make. Maybe you need to trust Jesus. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me, enter my heart. Make me you. Now's the time. No time like now to do that and to have the joy of being able to come up here and be baptized, to follow Him. Or maybe you just drifted away from Him and He says, it's time to come home. Time to, time to follow me. Time to be faithful. Guys, I just want us to obey the prompting of His Spirit in our lives. All of us. And so if He's speaking to you, it's a time for you to come to this altar, time for you to come to the front and love to pray with you, but just a time to respond to Him. This is His business. And when He calls, we need to obey. So I'm going to ask you to stand and to sing. I'm going to pray and then ask you to come as He leads. God, we love you. We're grateful for today. What a blessing, God, um, to share in the baptismal time, Lord. People we love and going to grow to love more, God. And Father, uh, thank you for your truth. Help us to live according to your ways, God, because that's the way to live, Lord. And Father, I just pray that now, as you tug at hearts, may you bring the people forward you want to come, Lord, in obedience to you, and we'll just trust you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.